Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us. This is Arnie's Books <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. I'm Mariana. Y yo soy Ana Maria. This is your book loop with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. This month, we've been reading the powerfully moving and devastatingly real novel, Infinite Country, by Patricia Engel. Ladies, I've been so touched by this book, and I'm really emotional about letting this one go. I know. Last week, we talked about our mantras, our roots, where we belong, and generational traumas. As for today... I can't believe that my mother, <laughs> Ana Maria Correa Cárdenas, is not only sitting next to me, but as previously mentioned, she is our guest host. Welcome! <laughs> my mother and best friend is the most exceptional woman I know. Sorry, mommy, I'm going to gush about you for a little bit. Aww. She is the most selfless, caring, loving woman, teacher, friend, and soon-to-be grandmother. You have been my inspiration my whole life and will continue to be. I mean, you are spending your whole summer with us to help me and Andrew get ready for our baby girl. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. I'm like starting to get really emotional I'm too. Cry. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope to one day be half the mother and half the woman you are. I am in awe of you and your strength. You are my angel on earth, and I'm so honored that you will be sharing your stories with all of us today. Yay! Aww. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank Empecemos you. nuestra hora de felicidad, chicas. Yeah! To get things shaking, what are you all sipping, Tia Emma? Well, since I guess we had to go with our tradition of letting our host choose what we're drinking, then I guess we have to make our cocktail pairing today a tequila reposado neat. Yes! And honestly, Ana Maria, gracias. <laughs> I'm typically a drink it straight, no bells or whistles kind of lady like yourself. So I'm selfishly really excited that we're just going straight in today. It also oh made gosh. it easier on our hardworking bartender. <laughs> but this one <laughs> may be a little trickier for you, Mommy Mariana. Or is it? Mm. Hmm. Hmm. What mocktail will you be sipping on while the three of us are tequila-ing? Well, it's definitely easier, and it's going straight in, too. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna good. Sound like a, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a broken record. But today I'm also drinking the Mommy Special Ooh. with a twist. Ritual Zero Proof Tequila. Yeah. Yeah, Ritual. <laughs> yeah. But this is on the rocks with a splash of bubbly's lime seltzer. To give Ooh, a little yummy. sass. Ooh, yeah, that sounds refreshing. It does. Yeah. Well, I don't think he'll have much to add for us today. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> but it wouldn't be a proper Are These Books Drunk happy hour without our bartender in residence. That's right. So let's bring him in here. Come on in, Ricardo. 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 Hubba hubba. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hi. Hola. Hola. We brought a friend. How are you? Great. Fantastic. 
Good. So today's drink is very complicated. Right. Very complicated. And it's a suggestion by Anna Maria. So oh, wow. Talk is true. She is complicated, so yes. It's very complicated. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's grab our favorite rock glass. Okay. And uh, let's put it on our table. And let's grab some ice cubes. But in Anna Maria's recipes, there are no ice cubes ever. Oh. Okay. And let's pour, let's say, a generous two ounces and a half of tequila reposado in our favorite rock glass. And nice. enjoy it neat in the way that is the only way. Right, Ana Maria? It is the only way. <laughs> oh! <Good. It's> straight <laughs> up. <laughs> so, no straw, Brandy. Oh. No ice. ice. Nothing. No, ice. no lime juice. No, no nothing. Wow. No salt. Wait, Ricardo, but if you were going to drink this, how would you drink it? Are you also a neat? I'm or not a neat. I'm what do not you a do? neat person. I would at least chill the glass. Oh. oh. At least. But like, I really like the dilution if it's a big ice cube. Uh-huh. Uh, I can shot tequila. I have very hard times in sipping tequila. Oh. So I need a big ice cube and I can do it over time. Let the water help me out during the, the <laughs> right. drink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I am not... I, I, I'm not a tequila person at all, so I can't do you as Ana Maria like is doing. No, unfortunately not. She's here to show us the way. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. So enjoy, enjoy your tequila meat in the only way that Ana Maria recommends. <laughs> yeah. So la vostra salute, ladies. Gracias, Thank Ricardo. You. Ciao, enjoy. Ricardo. See you next week. Bye. 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 All right, women. Cheers. Salud. 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 Oh, you guys actually ching, got ching. The I know. Oh, so cute. Oh. Mm. What do you think, Mama? Strong. <laughs> this is your choice. You did this. this was your, you did this you to did us. This is on you. Just let me have more sips and I will be okay. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Anything that happens during this episode, I am firmly blaming on you, Ana Maria. <laughs> but that's why we you. have a disclaimer. <laughs> oh, Anything really? I say, please don't take it against me. It was the tequila. <laughs> exactly. It was the tequila. Uh-huh. Ese milagro. <laughs> and can I ask why you don't like why you don't like it on the rocks? Why do you like it neat? Because what it is gets, it about it? I think it gets too watery. You, you lose the really the taste of the tequila. And you oh. just it's it would be too soft for me, I guess. Yes, oh a woman of my own okay. soul. <laughs> and the craziest thing is this is coming from a woman that doesn't really drink that much. Interesting. She doesn't really do, drink anything else. I like the good stuff. Oh, When okay. I go, I go all the way. That's right. Yes, same. <laughs> that says a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma, do you drink yours um, on the rocks or what do you do with your tequila? I also, like Ricardo, I don't love tequila. So if I do tequila, I like one big ice cube, but I like my mezcal meat. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So the tequila, I'm okay with the water down. But with something more robust, I want that full body. 
You want to taste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. And Brandy, same question for you. Yeah. When I drink tequila, I like it in uh, a Mexican mule. So I, I don't really like, mm. or like in a, I need it in a cocktail. I'm not huge on just sipping tequila. Like if I'm going to do a shot of it, great. Or if it's going to be in something, great. But like to just sip on it. On its own. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it. It's something about the flavor of it. Like, yeah, it's definitely an acquired taste. All right. Should we get into this book? I yes, guess with so. our very special Let's guest host. Yes, I can't wait to hear what you thought of this book, uh, Ana Maria. Major spoilers here, y'all. So if you haven't read the book yet, be warned. This week, Dalia finally makes it home to her father for one last night before her flight to the United States. Their goodbye is a heart-wrenching scene that leaves Mauro stunned, standing at the airport for hours after her flight has landed in her new country, shamefully wishing that she'd taken the first flight right back to him. Slowly, she comes to know her mother and siblings, eventually confiding her secret to them about the quote-unquote crime she committed. With nothing left in Colombia, Mauro tries to get to the U.S. the quote-unquote right way by applying for legal reentry, but is denied. He studies the many lines and divisions on maps, attempting to find another way to his family, and eventually decides to risk the grueling passage through Chihuahua, Mexico, into Texas, where he and Elena had first ended up all those years ago. And eventually... He is reunited with his family in one of the most painfully beautiful moments I've ever experienced reading. Three of them remain undocumented, but for now, they're together. Uh, I was a weepy, disgusting mess reading <laughs> we the ending of We this were too. <laughs> oh, you were listening together. We were listening did. together. The whole book. Oh, yeah. You listened to the that? whole book together, We right? did. So that was such a unique experience. Wonderful. It was it, it was wonderful to do, and we actually did it outside in Central Park. We listened to the, these oh last chapters, gosh. so uh, just being in that environment, being with my mom, like carrying my daughter, and then talking about it, talking about it, and then reading about this family finally reuniting again, and the way yeah. Patricia closed this novel, it's yeah. just it was everything for me. It was a beautiful, beautiful ending. Agreed. I'm so curious. I definitely, I, I think I was like 80-20. I really thought Mauro was not going to make it to them. Did you ladies have the same experience or did you like, did you know he was going to get there? I wanted so badly for him to get there that I thought that it would just be so cruel after everything else that we had to endure yeah. reading them go through for him not to make it. So I was pretty optimistic that he was, but I was, I was I wouldn't rest until I got there. Until I was really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I was very hopeful. I was hoping that he would. But it did surprise me that he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Mariana, I I thought that he wasn't going to. Because of all the stories I've heard from exactly students and from families that I know, it's very rare that they really, once you have been deported, it's very mm. difficult to come back. And especially the way that he did. Right. Right. Because he had to right. go through so many then he obstacles. had to go through the same thing that he did many years ago, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So right. the fact that he did um, is, is wonderful. But is I think this is just one in a million. Yeah. Oh, 
You know, I actually felt the same way too about Talia being able to leave by way of an airplane. I was shocked right. that that was as easy as that was. I thought, isn't like, didn't she have to show a passport or something? And she isn't did have there? A she did, yeah. And and why is that not flagged? I mean, I'm so happy that she was able to leave, but similarly, I was really surprised at how quote unquote easy that that yeah. was. But she did have, have a passport. That's why she was able to come back because she was born in the United States. Yeah. So that's why but you're she saying would... because she was an escaped. Yes, criminal. that is true. But right, because she was an escaped criminal. I mean, and I guess now that I'm saying that out loud, I guess there isn't like a blacklist of people like that. Right. You know what I mean? I had juvenile, the same thought. A juvenile. A ju- like a, a young. That's true. Girl. She's it underage. Wasn't like in, yes. So it wasn't like a. I think the place that she was wasn't like jail per se. But a, a place You're right. for young kids that commit any kind of um, wrong More like doing. a reform right. school. Right, like a reform school. So I don't think she would be labeled That's true. as a criminal in a red flag list at the airport that they're looking for her. Yeah. Well, this might be too big of an umbrella question to start, but I am really curious overall, Ana Maria, what your like overall reaction was to this yeah, novel, what your same. like the first thoughts that come up for you as as you dissect what you listened to. <laughs> I did find it fascinating and and I think it's the right time to speak about the different stories mm. about our uh, undocumented immigrants. Mm. Not everybody comes the same way, though. But I'm glad that, you know, they're taking the time to talk about a specific family and everything that happens. I have lived so many stories because, as you know, I'm a teacher. And where I teach, uh, mostly of my students are from Central America. And Um. I would say that 99% are undocumented Mm -hmm. wow and they come to the country in many um precarious and dangerous ways yeah and so it's fascinating to have someone talk about a family that went through this but not everybody does my my story is completely different and although i'm also uh migrated to the united states but i came the first day that we landed with my family to Miami, we had a green card. So to mm. me, it was just moving to another place. Yeah. And how um, old were you when you came? I was 14 years old. So I wow. had been in the United States for about 43 years. Wow. And when I came, what happened was that my my father had an uncle here in New York. Your uncle. My uncle, sorry. And he just, he was a neurosurgeon. He passed away a few years ago. And he just called my dad one day and said, hey, would you like to come and live in the United States? I can apply for you. And it was wow. something that we never even planned. Wow. And my dad told my mom and they really didn't think that it was going to happen so fast. Within six months, we had the green card. Wow. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Mm-hmm. And all three of you? We're three daughters and my mom and dad, so we were five. Wow. I was 14 years old. And in six months, uh, my father had a wonderful job. We were, I would say, wealthy in our country. And there wasn't a need 
to live. Uh, we all had private schools. We had a wonderful life. So it wasn't mm-hmm. something that, oh, yes, this is great. We just, my father had an apartment here in Miami and he had a business where he had to travel. And he said, what do we, why don't we just move? So we moved. I was wow. 14 years old. And uh, to me, it was the best decision he could ever made because I find my place. When people ask me, where are you from? I find myself that I'm more from here than from Colombia. Mm, Although wow. I have my roots from Colombia, but I grew up in Miami. Right. And uh, so the, it depends. Everybody experiences life differently. So I understand where Patricia Angel is coming from. However, not everybody has the same experiences, mm. but I can, I have both sides. I'll put it that way. I, I understand both sides. I, I can feel the pain of my students. I can see how it changed their yeah. life forever. Mm. I can see that they miss either their parents, their mothers, their grandparents. So their families are completely destroyed in a way because they just, they just send the kids to an uncle, to an aunt. And right. So to me, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult and everybody has a different experience. And your husband is from Bogota, is that right? Yes. So what happened was, this is the most beautiful story <laughs> you're going to hear in your Here life. Here we go. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready for this If I take I'm the microphone, I'm never going to stop. I'm never going <laughs> to let it go. Take it away. <laughs> when I was seven years old, well, actually, I was born in Medellin. Mm-hmm. I lived three years in Medellin. Then my dad was moved to Barranquilla, which is the coast. For four years, then we moved to Bogota, and I lived in Bogota for seven years, and so that makes fourteen when I came to live in to uh-huh. Miami. I met my husband when I was seven years old because we lived in the same neighborhood. Aww. Mariana's dad is six years older uh, than me, so he was more like my older sister's friend. You know, like I was uh-huh. a baby actually. But I remember the day I met him. I traveled from Medellin to Bogota because my mother would send me on vacation to Medellin to see my grandma and my family. And I remember I had I was wearing stockings. Oh God. And shiny shoes. And I came through the garage like through the garage. Uh-huh. And he was there talking to my sister. And I just looked at him and I thought that he was the most beautiful man in the world. Oh my god. I was seven years old and I remember that day. And I of course look at him and I say hi. (laughs) Like with cute little eyes. Betty eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. So when I was ten years old, that's why I said that I needed to have a disclosure. So no one please say anything (laughs) about this. When I was ten years old, he gave me my first kiss. Oh. All the kids were playing around in the park. I have no idea how that happened, but he gave me a kiss. So imagine how in love I felt. I'm sure. When I was 12 <laughs> years old, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. <gasps> of course, my parents didn't like him because he was six years older than me. Sure. Right? But still, he went to my mom and said, listen, either I see your daughter at home or I'm going to see her in the corner of the street. So you have to make a choice. 
I can oh. come and visit or I will see her outside the home. So they couldn't do anything. We knew the families and and I'm sure they just thought that it was puppy love, but it Apparently. was more than that. So when we oh. moved, we had to say goodbye and it was the most painful oh thing gosh. ever. Just like Endless Love in the movie does exactly like that. Sorry, when you say when you said goodbye, do you mean when you were 14 and moved to Florida? When I was 14 and I had to move to Miami, we just said oh. goodbye and I never saw him again for three years. Oh my God. So I came, you know, I did, I went, I went to high school and had a boyfriend. I had a. You didn't write boy. to him or anything? No, no we pen just, pen no, yeah, because two no... months after I had another boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we're getting Now I know where Mariana gets it. her stuff from. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I, I always thought about him and he had many girlfriends. Now that we talk about it, he said that he had a middle girlfriend's but he always he said got around that the, two, so let's not. He's not the victim in this relationship. <laughs> but he says that there was only my nickname used to be Pinche, P I N C H E, and they all knew who Pinche was. All his girlfriends, so he would always say, "There is only one Pinche for me. There is only one Ana Maria for me." Oh. And I was about to. I was. 17 years old, and I decided to go back on vacation to Bogota. So when I came back, he was waiting for me at the airport. And from that day, we spent all my summer together. My father flew to Bogota during that time, and he proposed. He asked my dad for my hand. He proposed. I had to come back because I had my ticket, and my, my home was in Miami. So I came back in, I think it was September, but I planned the whole wedding and he came to Miami and we got married in Miami in December. And that's oh, 43 gosh. years ago. I mean, Beautiful. wait, I'm sorry. I just need to back up for one second. It, you went back to, you went back to Bogota just for the summer. For the summer. By the end of that, he had proposed. And then by December, you were married. Yes. That all happened mm-hmm. in the same year. Yes. Wow. So I had to come back because I had to finish school. And he came and we got married in Miami. And the thing is that he had a, he had a business with his family. So I was the one that went back with him. After they got married. After we got married in Miami. Oh. I went back. And it happened that that's when Mariana was born. That's why Mariana is from Colombia. I came, I came around two years after. So two years we were married. married. I was, I turned 20, September 7, and Mariana was born September 15. So I just had turned 20. And we stayed for a couple of more years, but we decided that since I was already living in Miami, I had my family. Um, it would be better for us. Why don't we just go back? And that's mm-hmm. how I brought my husband back to Miami. Wow. wow. And that's how Mariana came uh, at two, when yeah. she was two to Miami. That is the most epic, fabulous love story I've <laughs> ever know. heard. But also I want to clarify then. So was your husband your first kiss? Oh, my 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 first everything. Oh. And my last, of course. Wow, that is <laughs> really say cool. that? That's I know. amazing. Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? We're one. We I think we are one person. We're not just 
husband and wife, yeah. which is one. Oh, my God. And so what was that transition like? Was I guess he probably didn't even have to think twice about moving from Colombia to Miami didn't. to be he with always, you. He always, and it's funny because sometimes we talk about it and he said that he always wanted better things, big things. He mm. didn't picture himself just staying in Colombia. He just wanted okay. more in life. And and I guess he he got it because, you know, he was able to come to Miami with me. Uh, the the funny thing is that when I came to Miami, I did not speak a word in English. Although we went oh, to wow. school, private schools, and they will teach us English at school, but it's 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 just a few vocabulary no, words that you will know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was young, and for me, it was easier. He was mm. 25 when he came to Miami. Without he, a word of English. Without a word in English. So for him, wow. it was tough, but he was so happy. And we, you know, we we always made it work. He and adapted. Regardless of what things happened, we always made it work. And for me, I didn't speak a word of English until I started kindergarten. I was actually in ESOL classes at school. Oh. Weirdly, that was me, too. I learned English in pre-K. Oh, in I didn't know wow. that about you, Brandy. Oh, you didn't do pre-K. Either. No. Huh. No. Do your parents, Brandy, both speak Spanish at home all the time? They don't as much now, but when I was a little kid, yeah, it was Spanish at home. And, of course, my dad's extended. Everybody spoke Spanish. Um, and then it wasn't until... I went to school, but then also when Shibli was born, Shibli was not having any of the Spanish. <laughs> and by then I was speaking English and my mom really wanted, you know, she wanted to encourage me speaking English. So they started speaking English at home. I see. Oh. But when it's just the two of them, they do tend to speak they Spanish. They do and still do. Yeah. 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 I think for us, we wanted Mariana to learn Spanish perfectly and to learn to read and write. So for I knew that once she, she was... Once she, you went to school, I knew she was going to learn English. So I made an right. effort, a conscious effort mm. to speak to her just in, in Spanish. Spanish. I will tell her when she will come to from school and I will say, okay, it's time to change the channel. Now you need to speak <laughs> Which I Spanish. hated. I'm like, I she just want to keep on speaking English. But Everybody I'm so English, happy but... that we did that because... It was good in the long run. And yeah. that's something that I tell my parents if I'm sorry, my students' parents, I call them my parents, because <laughs> um, the parents always come to me and say, oh, but I don't speak English. I'm, and I say, please, just talk to them in Spanish. Just talk to your students in Spanish. Let them uh, learn both languages. Don't worry yeah. about English. I will do that. You teach them Spanish. Read to them in Spanish. Do everything wow. at home so they learn both languages. Because it's, it's, it's a pity so not great. to. It's, 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 yeah. It is. I tell them, you have no idea how many open, how many doors you can open if you speak at least two languages. Yep. So we made an, an effort. This whole conversation of language just reminds me, too, in the book, how weird that must be that this fam- familial unit who has been so separated this whole time, they're all speaking different languages because mm. Nando and Karina only speak English, right? With right. the mom. And Talia only right. speaks Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. So I think that has to be so interesting. Like, how That's do you true. really communicate 
at the core of things when you're not speaking the same language. Right. With your family. Emma, right. and I thought that that was so interesting because I don't understand why um, Elena. Elena didn't, because how are they going to communicate? Right. How are mm. they going to communicate? And that's the problem that I have with many of my students. The students don't speak Spanish. Their parents don't speak English. So right. how do they, so they, how do you the talk communication becomes very limited. Mm-hmm. And that's when you miss having those conversations with your children and right. building those relationships. So to me, it was, I was surprised that she didn't make an effort on having mm-hmm. them speak the language. Yeah. I think for so many parents who who come, I think especially from like South American countries or from like Mexico, they almost don't want their children to speak Spanish or don't want their children to speak English with an accent mm-hmm. or something because they don't, they feel that it's seen as a negative here, which I get. I'm sure there are many cases where it is, but I've definitely seen that happen where parents almost discourage the speaking of Spanish in their children because they just want them to be seen as Americans. Oh, gosh. And I think that's what Elena was fighting for. Mm-hmm. I, I wondered that, too. Mm-hmm. I think there was a big a, mistake. Right. But she was protecting. I think right. there was she was really trying but to protect her. L- kids. Listen to my accent is something that you never lose. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know what? It comes to the point that you need to be secure about who you are. And that I understand. But for them, she didn't want anybody to know. She didn't want them to be labeled as different. Well, it's also dangerous. It was dangerous. If, they weren't. if it's found out, yeah, that two of them are undocumented, they're right. going to get right. deported. The whole family will get deported. Right. So there was that element to that. Right. There's a lot of fear wrapped up in yeah. being discovered. Right. So I'm really <sighs> curious, Ana Maria, since you had spent some time in the States and then you went back home to Colombia and then you had Mariana, what was that? That sounded really did, Italian to me. I know. Every time she says your name, Mariana. Oh, really? The Italian is coming out, Emma, even if you don't want it to. Oh, no. no, I have a terrible accent. Oh, that's funny. Sorry. No, not at all. Mariana. I love it. How did you make the decision? I mean, you. I think you kind of briefly said it, but I, I want to unpack that a little more. Like, how did you decide to raise a family back in the States and not stay in Colombia since you were there already. Well, mm. My family was in Miami, my mother and my dad oh, and sure. my sisters. And um, it wasn't even a, a, a question because to me, Emma, your, your country, your land is your family. It doesn't mm. matter where you go mm. if you are with your family. It really doesn't. Mm. And, and you make it work if you work hard enough. So it wasn't even a question. And my husband always wanted to learn more about the outside of Colombia. Mm -hmm. And my family was here and I had already finished school here. So Mm. we Ah. saw that he already had finished university. So, you know, why don't we just go? Why are we going to stay? We have the opportunity to go back. Mm. And it's very interesting because I think in the age that I came to Miami, that made me who I am. Because he was, at the time, 14 years old, the teenagers are the ones that 
absorb more from the environment where you live. And, and I wasn't really from anywhere because I went from Medellin to Barranquilla to Bogota yeah. and then Miami. So mm. to me, it was just one more place to go to. It wasn't like I'm just from here. I had never gone out of this state right. or town. So I'm afraid. To me, it wasn't just, yeah, just continue our lives. You were also telling me when we were discussing, uh, as we were listening to this book, how you felt that for Elena, because this was a question that we brought up maybe in the second episode about Elena's choice, like whether mm. or not it, we would have made the same choice of staying in the United States with not her entire family, with just two out of her three kids and not following Nando back. I mean, excuse me, Mauro back. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that you, you in a way, thought that that was kind of a mistake. Uh, yes. Or you wouldn't have made the same choice. I think if it's difficult to put yourself in somebody else's shoes because you don't know why she would do what she did. But if I was her, with what I know now, I would have left with my husband. I think mm-hmm. my home is where my husband is. I think mm-hmm. the children belong with the parents. I live it every day at school and I hear their their stories and I feel their pain and I see all the psychological Mm -hmm. uh, repercussions being apart from their family, from what they know, for where they feel secure. So to me, staying, I think it was more of a mistake than a good thing for them. Because if you Mm -hmm. think about it, look at the bullying, look at everything that they went through. One of them even Mm -hmm. said the United States was like a a jail or something. Mm -hmm. Like it was a bad place for her or for him. I don't remember which of the kids was that referred the United States like something bad because of Mm -hmm. all the suffering they have endured. So I think for children... When you create an environment of love and security, regardless of the material things that you have, you're giving them more for the rest of your their lives than mm-hmm. if you take them to a place where they could have more things and more opportunities, but yet they suffer all their lives. So right. to me, is I would have gone with my husband because love will conquer anything if you are with that person and you will make it work regardless of the level that you will live on with with your partner and your children. But but that's that's your land, that's your place, that's your family. So I would have done things completely different. Mm-hmm. When you're a kid and you have love and family, they, that gives them security. To keep going yeah. in life. And that brings me to a question. Oh, yes, oh. she is. <laughs> Mariana, are these books Mariana and I were moved while listening to Maro's and Talia's goodbye at the airport. Maro knew that this would be for the best, but sadly, it didn't prevent him from feeling completely heartbroken with a huge void in his heart. Mm-hmm. I can relate to such pain and, and headache. I want to know from each of you if you can recall a time when your parents made a decision to let you go knowing that it was the best thing for you and your future, yet 
it was so painful to do at the same time. You posed that very well. That was very in style with our these books. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's she had some coaching. Down, I need a tequila shot. It's almost like her daughter is one of the hosts <laughs> or something. <laughs> I mean, that's such an interesting question because for me, I mean, this moment was pretty much when I came here to go to school, right? My parents brought me, I was 18 years old. My parents brought me from Texas to New York City. It was the first time I had ever been. It was the first time they had ever been. And they're coming to drop me off for college. And I remember being scared, but also kind of cavalier about the whole thing. I remember just being kind of like, whatever, this is what people do. Like, I'm gonna, I'm going to college, get over it kind of a thing. Not really, because I adore my parents. But you know, <laughs> it was a little bit like, guys, it's fine. It's going to be okay. But recently, I was, you know, I was home in Texas. And my youngest sister, Chardonnay, is 18, which is the same age I was when my parents brought me to New York. And she looks so tiny and so young that I was looking at her and I was like, if I had been my parents, there is no freaking way (laughs) that I could have left my 18-year-old daughter in New York City by herself. Mm -hmm. Like, thank goodness I'm never going to be a parent because I don't think that I could handle that moment. (sighs) No way. My example is is the exact same, except instead of dropping me off in New York City, my parents were dropping me off in Philly for college. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was something, you know, me going, me leaving the state for college was never um, off the table. Like that was kind of a given that I wasn't going to stay in Richmond mm. because I wanted to move a little farther away. I wanted to be a little farther removed to kind of be on my own and and feel more independent and not have it be so easy that I couldn't just go home every weekend. Right. And so, you know, they were prepared for it for a while, but it's it was really hard and yeah. you know, my dad wrote me a letter that I opened that first oh, night <laughs> that I, I talked about before so and I sobbed in Fred. the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, of course it was it was really challenging, but they were really great about letting me have that space and letting me have that taste of independence. Mm. And but like you just said, Brandy, I actually often think about how difficult and you can probably talk about this on Maria later, but right. how difficult that is as the parent right. to send your kids away to college. Yeah. Like I think about that term empty nest. Mm. I think it's really yeah. tricky for the first one. But if you have more than one, I think even the second one and when then there's no kids right. near you, I think has to just be one of the most challenging things that a parent has to go through. Yeah. I think it's one of the most difficult things that a parent goes through. However, mm. I think it's the best thing as a parent what we could do. Mm. Because I remember when Mariana wanted to leave for to uh, pursue her career in dance, we knew, and she's our only baby, so she's our only daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're be- she's been here 18 years, and that's the time that we have been without children. So we went back to be a couple without, <laughs> yeah. with no children. Freedom! Walking around the house naked. <laughs> 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 like, we always knew that 
by giving her the space and the opportunity to be herself, we were giving her everything that she needed in life because she needed mm. to learn everything about the world. And we, myself, we, right? By yourself. We, we could protect her from the world, but can we protect her from herself? Mm. Um, I remember when Mariana went through, and I guess you have shared that before, Maybe not. Give us the dirt. <laughs> no? no, I have shared a little bit about it, but not in detail. When she was in school, she uh, became, uh, she had a needed disorder because dance was oh, completely, yeah. this is, uh, this is, we will need like five hours to talk about <sighs> the dance world right, right. and everything that entails But I remember that she will come home and she will ask us, please don't send me back. And oh. we, yeah, and I don't remember this. And we were calling her during the summer. It was it was coming back from my freshman year of college, going into my sophomore <sighs> year. But that was when I was at my lowest, which is yeah. interesting because this is the this was going to be my answer to your question. So go ahead. So the first time that she left, I cried for a whole year in the sofa. She never knew the oh. empty emptiness syn- syndrome. It really happens. So it's really difficult. Yikes. But then every time she will come home, we will see that she was changing and things were happening. And then we find out what was really happening that was very scary and very sad. And and uh, as much as we knew as parents, you really are not educated to really help right. her. Sure. But we knew that... We could protect her from the world if we kept her at home. However, could she be able to pass that if we kept her at home? She needed to somehow find the, her inner strength to make it. And, and we knew that if we kept her at home, we could only destroy that opportunity. So we just mm-hmm. let her go. So I remember taking her to the airport and she will be crying and we will be crying and I knew that she wasn't well but I will tell her you're gonna be okay you're gonna make it you're gonna make it happen you're gonna get through this you need to be strong and we will let her go my heart just I mean (sighs) we will be crying for days because we didn't know what was gonna happen yeah you must be so scared so scared But then again, we knew that if we kept her at home in her bedroom, that would make things even worse. I always believe that when you have fears, you need to just go and and take the horn by the by by the horn. You just not you (laughs) have to do it. Very Texas (laughs) reference. Yes, (laughs) I had it. I was ready. You have to do it. You just it's the only way to conquer those fears. And we knew that we could protect her. But she needed to protect herself from herself. So she needed to do it. Yeah. And we just she needed her to go. learn some self reliance. She had to, to stand on yeah. her own. We knew as parents we would make things worse Ugh. because we would do everything for her. It was very painful, but we're so glad that we were able to make the right the right choice yeah. for her i mean now yeah. and now in and retrospect she's turned I, out <laughs> pretty fabulously yes, yes. <laughs> now no 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 i'm so appreciative of what you you and my dad did but i now that i'm going to become a mom i can't oh, even imagine 
Right. Seeing the struggle, but knowing that that was the only way. It was the to, only way. For me to overcome such an awful illness. Illness. And to be able to then overcome that and continue with pursuing what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And school. Yikes. That had to yeah. have it been must be so even scary. scarier, kind of knowing that the thing she's pursuing and the thing that she wants, in some ways, is causing, is causing the problem. The environment that she was living, right? And it, it, it was was causing that that illness, right? And but she was the only one that could make it work. She was the only one that could really make it happen. For and the I best. still right. graduated on time. I still everything received my BFA in dance and a minor in communication. So I was still able to do so it. So of course we yeah. asked for help in the school. Oh yeah. It was limited to a sense, but... Everybody was aware of it then, though. Right. And you will be surprised how strong you ladies are once you put in those situations. Mm. And because you still have within you that strength that if, if things don't happen, you just don't know. But you will be surprised of how much you can really endure and do if you really face those fears and those mm. terrible things. I feel like just listening to you talk for even just that little snippet, I'm like getting a sense of what you were like as a mom. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's why Mariana is the way she is. No. <laughs> no, you I'm see like, it. why am I crying yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah. We need to drink, ladies. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Enough yeah, of let's sadness. Take a sip. Let's keep going. Salud. Oh, God, I'm obsessed with you. Well, sh- should we continue on this on this journey with my question? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's kind of bring it back to the book, but then bring it back to us again, because why not? We learn that Thalia decides to write and send a letter to Horacio, mm-hmm. her victim, right. before leaving Colombia. Mm-hmm. For me, this seems to be a way for her to find some closure in a cathartic way. And as we were speaking about therapy and getting help, this is a very therapeutic way of coping with a traumatic experience mm-hmm. or being mindful of letting whatever th- that is go. Is there a person in your life from your past or present that each of you would like to write a letter to, even if they never read it? Who would you want to share your truth with? Ooh. Do you need another sip? <laughs> I need one. I'm going to take a sip. Take it away, Okay, Emma. I need one. I'm on to you now, B. This is something I've thought about for a few years in relation to wanting to reach out or write to this person. And I don't know, honestly, that it still resonates with me now the way that it did a few years ago. But when you asked this question, it came up again. So I guess there is still kind of something there. But my ex, who I was with for five and a half years, we know who that is. We sadly didn't really have closure like when we separated, mm. I mean, it was clearly over, you know, and I right. and I moved out, but he wasn't at our apartment when I moved out. And so we didn't ever have a moment of goodbye. Mm. Wow. Which made that 
transition out of that relationship so hard. And because we had been living together and I had packed up all of my stuff, but I had actually, because I hired movers to come help me. And so in the process with them there, and it was just like a whole thing, I ended up actually leaving a lot of my stuff behind that I didn't want to take with me, but I didn't have time to just throw it away. So I kind of left it in the apartment. Oh. And I felt really bad about that. And so I went across the street to the wine store and I bought a bottle of tequila, actually. And I left it in the middle of the living room floor. You left him a bottle of tequila? Well, I did because I felt bad that I was leaving my stuff for him to take care of. Like, I think it was hard enough, the situation as it was. Very good. Yeah, I know. Well, but you know, that comes with kind of like, thanks for taking care of all my stuff. When After you're already going done. through the emotion. After what he did to right. I know, I know. Oh, my God. Well, I left the letter and I was like, you know, sorry I'm leaving you with this stuff. I don't even remember what I said, but it was like, Oh, so you wish left you an well. actual letter. Yeah, like I you wrote like a card a with the bottle okay. of the tequila that was you like, were still thinking of sorry wow. to leave you with that to take care of. Good luck. I don't know what it said. That was our goodbye slash quote unquote closure. Yeah, which was shit. So when I was having a really hard time healing from that relationship, I kept thinking I really should reach out and get that closure. Like I should just write to him or I should call him. And I never did because it didn't – the more time went on, it just didn't kind of – it didn't feel right. Yeah. And now that there's been so much space in between that and I am now healed as a person and I I am emotionally, you know, I've been emotionally fine from that for a while. But I feel like now that there's this space, I kind of sometimes think about reaching out just to say, you know, it wasn't all you that fucked up. Like, Mm -hmm. you weren't all that bad. Like, yes, he did something terrible that for me was unforgiving. But. Sometimes I think about reaching out and just saying, I was happy for a lot of the time. I wasn't miserable mm. the whole time. There was a lot of good because I wonder how much of that he carries. And yeah, I- I'm sure I'm not going to write this ever, but I have thought about it. Well, there's a quote that I wanted to bring up and that in, in the purpose, perfectly encompasses what you just said. I believe it was Karina. Love comes paired with failures, apologies for deficiencies. The only remedy is compassion. Mm -hmm. And what you Mm -hmm. are saying right now is that there is compassion for your ex. There is Mm -hmm. there is still the the acknowledgement and the acceptance that they that there was love there and there were deficiencies on his end, but there were also deficiencies on your end. And you're now mm-hmm. reflecting on the fact that both of you had your faults. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately that is love. There was love there for you too. So it's beautiful to be on yeah. this side of the, yeah. the spectrum. That's a really interesting point. The idea of, of doing something like this almost to show compassion for them mm-hmm. in, in you know, whatever the situation is. Um, I was a little dumbfounded by this moment of the the letter in the book. I didn't quite understand it, um, which I'll get to in a second. But so there are actually a couple of people who I've thought about writing a letter to throughout the years there. And in both situations, I'm actually the one at fault. Mm. 
So one woman in particular, I just I just wasn't very nice to her for a multitude of reasons, none of which really matter because like bottom line, she did not deserve it. I think the thing that I always worry about with those types of letters or like late apologies is because I have thought about I've literally thought I should send her a Facebook message. This happened like it has to be seven years ago at this point. It happened mm-hmm. so long ago, you guys. And I still, you still think, think about, about it. it. I've looked her up on Facebook just to like just to like I hope she's doing well. Like, Aww. yeah, like it's definitely stayed with me. It haunts me. And I think the reason that I haven't written the letter is because I worry a little bit about who I'm writing it for. Am I Uh actually writing it for her? Is it actually seven years later? Is it going to make her feel any better? Or is it making me feel better? Is it making me feel like, okay, now I've eased my conscience. I can stop worrying about her or something. You know what I mean? Letting it go because obviously it's still in you. Letting it go, but do I deserve that? Mm. You know what I mean? Do I deserve to let that go or do I deserve to like sit with it? Because if I write this letter, is it just going to dredge up negative stuff for her when maybe she's moved on? You know what I mean? Right. I think that was part of the problem I had with the letter in the book was like Dalia's apologizing to this man who is irreparably damaged. Like he's never going to live a normal life probably from the burns that he suffered. I'm not saying she was or wasn't at fault, but like that's the fact of the matter. She's writing an apology that like is very nice, yeah, but it really will make no difference to his life. And the same thing if he had written an apology to her for the cat instance, like that's very nice, but this cat is dead. Like you can't unring that bell. It's done. Is that really calloused? No, I don't think it's callous. It's actually making me really think about it because I never thought it. I, I've I've thought about putting into words what you've wanted to tell a person for so many years that that would be a very cathartic way of healing oneself. Yeah. So in a way, kind of does seem a little selfish because you're thinking about yourself. It's a way to kind of let all those things that you wish you could have said in person go. So maybe it's a way of really just cleansing yourself of all that pain and agony. Right. But in reality, will it help the other person? But at the end of the day, isn't this the whole point in life, taking care of yourself? And if you're truly sorry for what happened, regardless of what the person will, if the person will accept it or not, Isn't that the point, learning your lesson and moving on? Because that brings me to Aguha's quote where he said, you can see what's ahead if if you keep on looking at the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. I believe that in order to move on, you need to stop looking at that that mirror. Mm -hmm. Because if you're attached to the back, to your baggage, you're never going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And freely, this is something very strong. What I'm gonna say, but I think Mariana has talked about uh, about what happened to me about four years ago about finding out that my dad is not my dad, oh, right. right? And I haven't talked to my mother almost five years yeah. in August. Wow! And she was moving back to her country, to our country. This she just was happened. Mo- it happens about two weeks right ago. Right before my mom came here. We found out that oh. she's and she I just back to Colombia. And I just one day sat down and started thinking, I wasn't ready to see her 
and to say my goodbyes. I just don't think that I can still see her and look into her eyes. It's something that I still need to work. But deep inside, I knew that she was going to suffer and that all this change for her might be good or bad. I don't know. But I just felt that I needed her to be at peace with herself. And I mm. wrote a text to her saying, uh, I don't remember exactly the words, but I said, I hope you find your peace. I am glad that you're going back to where you're from. And I forgive you. Mm. Because it, it, it comes to the point that I cannot just, it's like I'm in pause in my life. I need to, in order mm. for me to move on, I have to let go. And the other way, the only way to let go is forgiving. It doesn't mean that I forget because I still leave that on a daily basis, but it's forgiving her. And, and, and I, I have empathy for her. And I just want to tell her, just live your life. And I, I will always love you. I forgive you. Goodbye. But I don't know. Of course, she wrote me back, but the whole point was about me because I needed mm. to take care of me, of mm. the little Ana Maria <laughs> and the older Ana Maria. I needed to take care of those feelings I had in my heart. And if I keep looking at that mirror and keep just drilling in that every day, I'm the one that is suffering. Not my mom, mm. nor anybody. It's just me. So for you... Uh, Brandy, if you just write that letter, it doesn't matter if she reads it or not. It's just for you to let it go. And I never thought that I would feel so much peace after I wrote that. And it was just like three sentences in that text. Right. Wow. Maybe I need to write my grandmother a letter <laughs> so I can kind of get if rid of all the whole life. Yes. But no. if that's going to mm, help jokes you. Jokes aside, I'm sorry. But it's wonderful. It, it just to. You know, it's something that you can keep in, in your mind. If that's something that is going to help you. Because at the end of the day, we're living our life. We're not living somebody else's life. It's our life. Right. And we need mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves. And no one's going to live our lives for because us. Because no one will do that for us. No. Our journey through life is finding ways to be peace, in peace with mm -hmm. ourselves. Well said. Yeah. Wait, did you answer that question, Mariana? I mean, it would really, if, if I were given the opportunity or maybe I should give myself the opportunity and open that door, it would be to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I mean, I've lived it firsthand, but also living it vicariously through my mom and seeing what she's gone through and the pain. And there's, and you guys know, there's a lot of things that my grandmother has done that I've mentioned on this podcast throughout my youth that has really, unfortunately caused more pain than anything else because of certain behaviors and the way that she would look at me or the way that she would judge me. Right. Mm. But I do think that in the long run and listening to what you just said, because I can hear your strength and how, because if we go back five years ago of where my mom was at, when we found out things, it was very tough to handle. And we were far away when you told me what had happened. Mm -hmm. So it was just for me not to be right next to my mom to be able to hold her and to like really mm -hmm. feel the pain together was tough enough. Mm -hmm. But to know that there were so many lies 
shared throughout our family for so long that I would want that time to just write down in words how much she's actually hurt me, but how much I will always love her. Because no matter what, she is my grandmother. If it wasn't for her, my mom wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't exist. You know, it just... And you were in her womb. <laughs> yeah. Oh Going my back gosh, to... Yes. Yeah. yeah. The push. Yeah. Like you push? literally yeah, were a part of her. And we all have faults. And you also learn from it. You, we all have faults. If certain things that I it had to go through made, makes you stronger. So... Mm. And I would also want her to know that that she is my grandmother. Like she is, she's still, there was there was a sense of her that would always be very protective of me and always wanted the best for me. Mm-hmm. It's just he, she had a very narcissistic way of showing, showing it. it. Mm-hmm. But maybe it would be good because then she would know that even though there were many years of resentment, but I am now getting to a place where I can't, I can no longer see my past that way. And I always ask myself too, you know, since we're none of us are granted the next day, what if mm-hmm. something happened, God forbid? Yeah. Would you feel sad that you hadn't said anything? And if the answer is yes, mm-hmm. then I think it answers your question. Of course. Mm. And I don't think that it makes you weak. I don't think that it I don't think that it's you saying that you're completely healed and that you're fine with it and that it was okay. Sure. Right. Like you're saying, you can express all of that. But I think if you just ask yourself, if I never said anything and she weren't here tomorrow, would that affect me in the long run? Right. Yeah. When when we found out that she was moving back to Colombia and it was through one of my cousins that we found this information out. My mom asked me the question of whether or not she should see her and say her goodbyes. And my initial reaction was like, maybe you should go and say goodbye to her. But I think that my gut reaction was more thinking about me, not necessarily thinking Mm -hmm. about my mom and what the repercussions would be for her, because of course their dynamic is very different than my dynamic Mm -hmm. is with her. Mm-hmm. So I have wondered over the past couple of weeks if I were in Miami at that time when all of this had been going on, would I have gone? And I think mm. that more likely than not, I would have. Mm. Yeah. Because I would have wanted that, I guess, last embrace if I don't ever go back to Colombia while she's still alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. You never know. Yeah, if that may happen that I end up there and we do see each other again. But the thought of not right. ever seeing her again was more powerful for me than mm-hmm. all of this combined. Anna Maria, is it time for a tequila sip? It is. <laughs> okay. It is. Salud, ladies. Salud. Salud. And I think that's why Mauro did what he did. Because I can't even imagine all the obstacles that he went through to get back to his family. Oh, you mean why he went back? Yeah, why he was able to go through Mexico and end up Mm -hmm. embracing his loved ones again. Oh, God, that reunion. That reunion. (laughs) I literally was like a blubbering mess as I was reading that. You cried, Brandy? I did did cry. This broke you. 
It was so because Brandy. Well, like I said too, Mm. I was like. I really didn't think that moment was going to happen. Kind of like you, Ana Maria. Like, I just thought there's no way this family gets a happy ending. There's too much stacked against them. So I really just thought at the last minute, this isn't going to work out somehow. He's going to get detained somewhere or like something's going to happen. So when it when it just was like as happy ending as they could have. Right. It. Yeah, it was just too stunning to not to not. Just cry. And that the love was so... That they were, like, right back there. Like, right back where they left off, it's almost. It's like Ana Maria and... Juan. What's your dad's name? Juan. 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 <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting how they all f- forgot everything that had happened. And yeah. it's like it never did. And they just went back to where they left off. It, but that's why I say co- love conquers everything. Yeah. Each, they saw each other, and and those fifteen years kind of went away, right? And and especially for the kids that didn't really know their dad, mm-hmm. but I the know. or and oh. also for Talia, they didn't know her mom. Like the smell of her came back, the yeah. the just her semblance came, like just that nurturing yeah. embrace, yeah. the love, yeah, all of that just came back and totally deleted. Like it had never happened. Everything. They just like immediately locked back into what was most important, mm-hmm. yeah. which was their connection. Their connection. Well, hey, ladies. Yes. Oh. Since we're talking about Mauro. Yes. I think it's time for our new segment. <gasps> what? What yes. new segment? Welcome to Deep Dive. Where we'll make a recommendation for a deeper look into an aspect of the book that we're reading. So as I read these final chapters, I wanted a deeper look into Mauro's experience crossing the border into Texas because I know what a grueling, challenging, risky trek that is. People die making that journey. And maybe Karina will write a sequel with more of her father's stories. Mm. But until then, if you want a more in-depth look at the experiences of immigrants crossing the border from Mexico into the U.S., this deep dive, I'm highly recommending the book, the Line Becomes a River, Dispatches from the Border by Francisco Cantu, which I actually read months ago thanks to my very talented cousin and devout Are These Books Drunk listener, Adela Antoinette. Yeah, Adela! Thanks, Adela! This is the very true story of a Latino Border Patrol agent who spends his days tracking immigrants just like Mauro. Mm. He details not only the excruciating circumstances in which undocumented immigrants are forced to travel— but also the dehumanizing agents that hunt them, ready to quote-unquote defend the border from crossings, and the unforgiving system that punishes them as they try for a better life. It's a moving story of a man who, in some ways, walks both sides of the line. Mm. Again, that's The Line Becomes a River, Dispatches from the Border by Francisco Cantu. Thanks for sharing! Let us know if you read it. Yes! Well, let's jump back into some questions. Let's do it. Okay. Because I have one. Okay. Oh, get it. (laughs) I've always had deep admiration for individuals like yourself, Ana Maria, (laughs) who pack up their whole lives and move somewhere completely foreign to them, whether that may be in a new country or to a place where they just don't know anyone. 
I realize in this novel, those big moves were not always a choice for the characters. But as all of us would have the choice to make a huge move if we wanted to, I think, I'm curious about what would excite you about that decision and what would be the most difficult Mm -hmm. aspect of that big life decision. Mm. Is this even a decision you've pondered or do you think that maybe you'll never face that prospect? Like, Brandy, are you just going to be here in New York for all the days? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think probably I think the most exciting thing about thinking about moving somewhere else is obviously like interacting with different people Mm. or, you know, different cultures and stuff like that um, in a way that you can't do when you're just like on vacation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think the biggest consideration for me when thinking about something like that is like, well, what am I going to do for work Mm. when I get there? Mm -hmm. And so that I think that's what makes it so hard to leave New York is like, this is where I work. So Right. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> right. Especially not since, like, Jason's happy here. Like, right. I'm happy here. We love it here. Exactly. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's not really. Yeah, I don't I know. Get maybe, maybe down the line. I'm not shut down to it. But, like, not, no. oh, you're yeah. Not. I mean, if you're happy where you are, then yeah. why yeah. rock the boat? Yeah. That's kind of nice. I actually ponder it all the time still. Yeah. Even yesterday, my mom and I were walking back from having coffee in the heat. Oh, that's in so the heat. Nice. <laughs> wonderful. You can have iced coffee. I had iced coffee, but she <laughs> had boiling like hot coffee. I don't like oh, iced coffee. Oh, God. It has okay. to be hot. Yeah. And just oh like God. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. But anyway, so we were on the way back, and I was, you know, I was grappling with the idea of, well, wouldn't I want a house at some point? But I can still raise kids because you walk everywhere on the Upper West Side and there's a stroller and a dog. I mean, mm-hmm. it's inevitable that you're going to run into a stroller, a dog or kids or a bus, a school bus. Uh, so it's very yeah. residential. So that that question will always continue continuously come into play. And I think it will continue to do so until we or maybe forever unless when we decide to buy something, buy a house, mm-hmm. you know, like be homeowners, obviously mm-hmm. that will yeah. change that question. What most excites me about starting a new life is starting fresh. Oh, Nobody knows you. <laughs> All those uh, first impressions and having the pressure of living up to those first impressions. That's nice. Forget about it because you're starting. Yeah. You said that I did. I think you said that we... about moving to college, right? Yeah, you can write your new book. Yeah, you can write new your chapter. new new chapter in your story. So that's I what's like most that. exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. But what would be most debilitating <laughs> would be FOMO. I would uh, like the fear of missing uh, out of what my life could have been of all the what ifs. What if I would have stayed? a month more what if I would have done this what if I would have done that seeing my friends continue in the city that I loved for so long and not knowing what could have been now that I'm I'm not gonna say how how old I am we could do that but I learned that you can do the math give her some more shots I learned learned through life that you just need to love what you do every day and yeah, regardless of the changes, just make the best that you can do and just keep putting a foot forward. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it changes or no changes. And, and life is 
it's funny sometimes and it, I, and it takes you to places that you never thought that or to do things that you never thought that you would do. Mm. And you just need to be watching and and happy and content with what you have. Because I mm -hmm. always think that there's so many people that would love to be in our place. I know there's so many people that have more, but I think there's more people that want to be in our place. And I just, if you love who you are and what you have, So that's, so you're happy, you're fulfilled. So regardless, yeah. if you move on to another place, if you keep thinking that way, it will be wonderful. And you'll be able and to adapt. You will be able to adapt and just keep living your life the best way possible. But be open yeah. to those possibilities. Don't, don't just close the door because mm -hmm. life is long and life is wonderful. Yeah, so you're, what you're saying is you're going to move to New York. Oh, tomorrow yeah. <laughs> is tomorrow soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> next door. Actually, I want to move next door so I can be next to my oh. baby. Well, my two babies. Now I have four babies: Andrew, Mariana, oh. Waffles, and baby Mariana, <laughs> right. baby Mariana, oh. baby Panaro. So yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I want to retire tomorrow, although I can't. But I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm on next door. New York I is just it. the best place to be. She so loves I, New York. I love New York. Yeah, she's just oh. like you, Brandy. Like there's no oh, I, other. there's no place like New York. Yeah. That's why I'm so happy oh. that Mariana gets to experience New York. I just oh, love New York. Okay. And if people have never been in New York, they have no idea what they're missing. Because that's right. there's no other place. Mm -hmm. And that's why what I feel that so happy love? that Mariana is here. Oh. Emma asked, what is it that you love about New York? Everything. <laughs> I love walking in the streets. I love the people. And and you know what? Every, every city has goods and bads, but that's that's life, you know? Mm. And the restaurants and, and people are, my experiences, most of the people are nice and they love New York and they take mm -hmm. care of New York and they fight for New York mm -hmm. and not every place that has energy that you want to defend it and and is yours mm. so I just love that and I love the actors and I love <laughs> all the singers and the music <laughs> and the Broadway shows and I can't keep going and going and going <laughs> And the restaurants and the food. Here. And go, I know. And just, listen, if I want to do grocery shopping, I have to get dressed, take my car, <laughs> well, I hope you get drive, dressed. you know, like here, <laughs> you put sweatpants, you go to the grocery store that is in the corner of your house, is the most amazing thing. You come home. <laughs> if you're lucky. Home. My God, it's just wonderful. Even if it's subway, taxi, oh, whatever. I just love New York. The Yay. energy is just wonderful. Oh, it does sound like you're going to get here, Mariana. I, I, right? <laughs> my husband doesn't like it, though. But he's liking it now. Now he likes it more, so yeah. I might convince him. I mean, now that he'll have a grandbaby here, I bet that'll oh, sway him a little yes. bit. Yes. Even if maybe New Jersey is close enough or what else is close? Yeah. Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you know what? The cold weather, we just get inside one apartment and we put the chimney on. Do we have chimneys? You could if you want. We put chimney on and that's it. That's Fireplace. all we need. The fireplace. Yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> you'll you just snuggle adapt. together. You're fine. Whatever. You're good we at just that. Just wear you and sweaters and we just that. love each other. <laughs> you adapt to the oh, winter. And we drink tequila to yes. stay warm. <laughs> That's all we need. Yeah. Okay. Salud, ladies. Okay. Salud. <laughs> Salud. Well, in asking the question, I, of course, was thinking about my husband, Ricardo, who yeah. moved here to years and some change wow. from Italy to the, to New York um you know knowing no one here except for me and having never spoken in English as frequently well ever he never spoke in English there so it was just a lot of adapting and i just you know i look at him every day and and admire how he was able to do that and he's not just done it but he's adapted so beautifully you know he's working two jobs he's thriving. he is he thriving, is thriving. <laughs> so yeah i mean that's been a huge he's been a huge role model mm-hmm. for me just in terms of how how one can adapt mm-hmm. to that and mm-hmm. and and thrive in it but it has brought up conversations here and there where we, we you know we'll think about down the road, maybe we would move to Italy since he did the move here. It kind of feels like oh. if he wanted to go back at some point, I would kind of have to, I guess, return the favor that feels very surface. <laughs> but yeah, I think similarly, I I could move a lot of different places. The one, and, and I get really excited about that. I get really excited about the a different culture and just kind of the challenge yeah. of starting over. I like that mm-hmm. challenge of feeling like it's impossible and then actually doing it and realizing that you can. Yeah. That's yeah. very exciting. It just the big, the biggest downfall is what would I do for work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also again. depending on where I move. You know, if I were to move to Italy. I really feel sad about moving that far from my parents, from my family. Yeah. But he did it. You. So. Yeah. And they would love it. What they is baby kicking? It. Yeah, sorry. Oh. She, she's rooting for Italy. She gave me oh, like a little like. Oh, no. Tell her not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Put those legs back in there, girl. <laughs> so, yeah, I think about it a lot. But I am staying put. Yes, you yeah. are. For a while. By the way, don't think about what Ricardo did as a, a payback, mm-hmm. like a favor, because he didn't do it. It wasn't a favor for him. You know, it's not. Yeah. He did it because he wanted to and because be he wanted you. to be with you. Yeah. I know. I know. So don't. But think- it is tricky because I want to be with him. So if he wants to go back. I think it's also complicated because his mom is there. Right. His mom is there. And his brother and his nephews. But you yeah. said the last time that he was there, think his perspective changed quite a bit. Yes, he did come to realize that he doesn't want to move there as soon as he thought he might. Mm. Which is... Which is good. very different than what he was saying previously. Yeah, well, yeah. because he's you, thriving here. Yeah, <laughs> right. Once you come to the United States, you don't want to li- live. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted. I was so curious about that from from your perspective. Yeah. What is it about? What What makes you say that? What is it about this country that the freedom that you have? I and it's funny because um, a couple of years ago, about ten years ago, after Mariana's marriage, my mother got sick. And I had to go, she got sick in Medellin and I had to go back to see her because she was really ill. 
I went back to Medellin after 25 years. Mm. I saw or I met cousins that I that I had never seen before. A in country of strangers. Yeah. I felt like a stranger in my own country, in my own wow. land. I was this stranger. I I went to places that I felt so different. I think once you leave your country, your horizons open and you become somebody else. So yeah. to me, going back, I will be limiting myself. I see that I'm not that person anymore. I'm someone else already. So why go back? Mm. I just see there's so much beauty. I mean, when people ask me, where are you from? Of course, I say I'm from Colombia because that's where I was born. But to me, the United States is nothing else like it. Miami and the United States is my home. I feel like I'm from here and I will defend it and I will, you know, it's, it's the best place to be. The opportunities you Aside have. Aside from New York. Well, New York is in the United States. No, I know. But it's... It's, it's amazing. It's, there's so much beauty. There's so much to learn. There's so much, the mixture of people, anything that you need or you or you want, you can find that in our yeah. countries is so limited. Hmm. And, and if I may say, um, there, people are so superficial. If you have money, you're the one. Here, it doesn't matter. You could be wealthy living next door to someone that works really hard, that is not in the same socioeconomic um, standard, but still can pay the same bill. So you live right there too. So I I think Mm. that's the beauty of it. You can do whatever you want and you find your place. You know, Mm. I I don't see myself going back ever. I mean, you never say never never because you can't. Right. But I, I moved on. My, my land is the United States. I'm so curious when you said that once you leave your country, you can't really go back, like it's not the same. Do you think that that would be the same if you were born in the U.S. and then moved to another country? Or is it something about going from any other country that's not the United States? I think the United States is very unique in many things that you don't find in any other places. Because I I have traveled a lot with my husband to the different islands, to many countries in South and Central America. He has traveled a lot. That's what part what that's what he does in his job. He travels a lot, and for him, there's no place like Miami. There's no place like the United hmm. States. Hmm. And even in Europe, why do you think everybody wants to come here? There's there has to be something that you don't find any other place. So I'm truly American, if I may say. Well, and I do want to say that we are a very specific story coming from Colombia because our story is very different Different. than what we're reading. Right. Right. And we had the opportunities and we were lucky to have had the opportunities that we've had, that you and my dad have had with struggles, but you still were able to make it work. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, and you still appreciate everything that has come your way. Oh my goodness. So it's, it's, it's tough because we still very much under, and I am a firm believer and understand exactly 
I mean, not exactly because obviously I didn't live through that, but I can see where, where other Colombians are coming from. And we had a very different path and it's harder for others than it was for us. I need, I think I know. that you need to appreciate all the things that are given to it's you. It's incredible with all the things that are going wrong right now, but there's still a lot of things that are good. But it's still, look yeah. where we are. Yeah. We could be in another place where we don't have, we, could, we couldn't even go out of the house. Yeah. You know? We're just fortunate. I mean, I think we're yeah. fortunate. Yeah. Definitely. And I hope that more of us could continue to be more fortunate, that it becomes more equal for everyone to be, you know, like this. Right. To have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. So that it actually, it does feel like a place of freedom for everyone, for everyone. not just people mm-hmm. that are, that have the means to, to feel that way. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I have a final question, ladies. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yes. I think yes. you need to do before. Oh, okay. Before yeah. I read the One question. more drink. Oh. If they have any okay. left. <laughs> I have a little. Mauro and Elena embrace while f- dancing to a cumbia. You know a cumbia very well, don't and you? And I love dancing cumbia, by the way. <laughs> oh, As so if cute. the last 15 years was a dance interrupted, waiting for another song to play. Is there a song that reminds you of that eternal love that your parents have for one another? Mine is super embarrassing, so I'll get it out of the way. <laughs> I love that. My, go, go, go. my parents' song is Careless Whisper by George Michael. Do you guys oh, know that song? No, no but <laughs> George it. Michael. Yeah, can you sing us a little part of it? Oh, it goes, I'm never going to dance again because your two feet have got no rhythm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my parents' song. Sorry, Mom and Dad. I had to shout y'all out. That's sexy. That's great. (laughs) That's really sweet, though. My parents' song is The Water is Wide. And I don't actually know who originated it. I think it might be Pete Seeger. I don't know that one. I don't know that song at all. It's beautiful. And when we were in Ireland several years ago, we were there during my parents' anniversary, which is... Today, oh, you're kidding. Oh. Today is their 42nd wedding anniversary. Oh, that's wonderful. And we were in a little Irish bar, and my parents requested it, and they played it and sang it to my oh parents. My God. Oh, that's that's so cute. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Oh, <laughs> that's so beautiful. Love it. Um, uh, mine for my parents, memories. Barbara Streisand. My cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, no. That would have been interesting. <laughs> um, Barbra Streisand sang it in the movie The Way We Were, which was a movie that they oh, saw back in the day. Oh, my God, of course. When they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, right. so 1973. They would say, 1973? <laughs> oh. oh, my God. So way back in the day. Yes, we back. actually surprised them at our wedding and asked the DJ to play that song. For us. And the videographer caught caught the cutest shot of my parents in the background with me and Andrew in the foreground dancing to that song. And like you could see how much my dad was like loving every second of Mm -hmm. dancing with my mom at our wedding to that. But I every time that song comes on, like their eyes just twinkle. (laughs) They're ready to like grab each other. Yeah. That's cute. So it is. 
Thanks for that final question, mommy. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. You always have to put romance. Some romance in oh. there? In there. Oh, yeah, of course you do. All right, y'all. That's right, I'm back. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like to discuss on an episode, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunkatgmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener question segment. Now, all of you out there, will one of you just be our next reviewer, please? Yeah. Come on. If we want to hear from you. Yeah. And a very special thank you Aww. to my mommy. Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me. Love yes, you. I'm, I was delighted to be here Aww. today with you. <laughs> this was truly epic. And baby girl Panaro will listen to this Aww. one day. Yes, she will. <laughs> thank you, ladies. You are wonderful. Since this month has five weeks, next week we're offering a great bonus episode. Oh. We'll be discussing the short story, Evidence of the Affair, by one of our favorite authors from last season, Taylor Jenkins Reid of Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I can't wait. Yeah. You can find this short story via our Amazon affiliates link in our Instagram bio, Kindle version only, at Are These Books Drunk? And while you're there, keep your eyes peeled for next week's cocktail and mocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy hour. hour. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Ana Maria. Gracias. Gracias.